welcome back to episode 14 of Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast. Teddy, today going over our fourth installment of the Reading the Room series. Is this number four? I believe, I believe so, but you know, we're not, not the smartest at remembering. I'm gonna things. say it is because we did we did quarterback, yep, running back, receiver, tight end. So we've Check. got the fourth edition of our Reading the Room series. Um, Look one at of us. The final two that we've got. Almost wrap this thing up, Ted. Going to go over some uh, tight ends and defensive linemen today. Really fun conversation about both positions. Good mix of, of vets that are new to the team. Um, rookies as well, too. So those are both exciting. Teddy, before we get into everything today, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it. Review it. Um, Do all those play things. Play it a million times. Play it a million times. Follow Teddy on Twitter. Even if you're Teddy just going to listen for like two minutes real quick, like just listen just again. Keep, like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like if you just wanted to hear our voices, just listen and, again and then again, just like a few times. And then unsubscribe, resubscribe. We'll still right. that from That's big. My take. That's huge. So make sure you're doing that as well, too. Um, so Teddy at Teddy Huncho on Twitter. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Teddy, we just had a very fun weekend together. Before we get into all the oh, yeah. stuff, how are you feeling? Is your body recovering? Um, Cause mine isn't. Yeah. You know, the body feels okay. I'd put it at a solid like 6.8. So like almost back, but you know, still just a little worn down, but the mind is at like a two. I just feel like I can't working today was a struggle, you know, just getting back in after the long weekend and, and hanging with the boys reuniting in our hometown, you know, it, I'm tired for sure. Yep. Very exhausted. I got into Nashville last night and um, despite knowing I was exhausted, I stayed up till till past midnight just doing whatever the fuck. And yep. then you wake yep. up and it's like, fuck, it's I lack go of self-control on our end, Blake. Definitely. definitely. I always run into that problem. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But no, feeling feeling all right. Feeling good now that we're talking Nashville. Jets. Exactly. Exactly. That's we're always good. To, podcasting. To even out my mind, you know, just talk about we the don't, Jets for a while. Exactly. We don't need to talk about uh, analytics or um, what do I do? Spices and teas. You don't know. I I I kind of know what you do. You do, you, you do the, the, well, you're actually, you're in a big project right now with all of your shipping that you have to do. So you're under a big undercover project. I kind of know what you do. I've seen the spreadsheets, but. You've seen the spreadsheets. I've seen the spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, And then I talk spices and teas, which is so fun. Anywho, episode 14, reading the room, tight end of defensive linemen. Um, before we get into that, just a few housekeeping notes. Um, and this is one we'll start off. It's been a housekeeping note for the entirety of this podcast. Um, I'm not sure if we heard it at the same place, but I watched it in the morning and 30 minutes later, you texted me about it. So I'm assuming we did. Uh, Rich Eisen had yep, on yep. Robert Sala um, for an interview. I believe it was Monday, uh, June 20th if i'm wrong about that sorry but kind of just going over a few things and talking about of course um tackle mekai becton uh who it was announced ready to play no no limits to his knee um, but of course still was not available for otas and i it's news because all this time we've been told you know he's just rehabbing his knees rehabbing his knee the knee is officially cleared. He is ready to go and um, is still not out there. And so now is where the questions over conditioning and effort and health come into play. And um, hearing, you know, Salah speak about it, I think you can, you know, once the coach comes out and is like, no, he's ready to play and we hope to have him back soon. Then you're like, okay, so this is something that um, is a little bit more problematic than just his knee hasn't finished healing yet. So Teddy, um, in the latest saga, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's just like you said, I mean, it's it's we knew that it wasn't like it couldn't just be the same exact injury. So them coming out and saying like, well, the knees technically fully cleared. There's no restrictions there. I mean, that is a good thing to hear. I think it was literally yeah. last week when we were like, I just want something like, is he still injured? Like what's going on? You know, so. So that part was good. But then it's the, just the obvious like, OK, well, he still didn't play in OTAs still doesn't seem to be there physically based on, you know, what the coaches are saying, Um, which is fine. Like, you know, he's a bigger guy than anyone else in the league is going to be. 
he's, he's got that extra weight. Like, so that is what it is. Um, but it, it, it is just like frustrating again, cause it's just, we don't know. Um, now, I mean, there's definitely, you know, maybe, maybe you want to say like, Oh, well, the jets are holding him back because, you know, they've put a lot in this off season about not having their guys like strain themselves, not having their guys go above and beyond. You know, I think, Samini asked a question to Salah the other day in his press conference just about um, like, oh, there hasn't been any big injuries yet. Like, what's up with that? And Salah's like, don't jinx me. So I hope yeah, this doesn't up. jinx him either. Um, but but they have avoided it. So so, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. But at the same time, like it, it you hear the coaches speak and it seems like he's not ready to play and they're frustrated by it, you know. So I don't know. It just is what it is. I mean, it, like I, I've seen people go back and forth about this on Twitter and I always land in the, like, I'm not going to really be mad or upset about it until I have to be until it comes training camp and it comes preseason and it comes week one and he's not out there playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's shitty, man. you like, you just want to see him play. You want to see him out there, especially when he right. comes out and he's like, I'm going to make everyone eat their words. You just want to see it come to fruition. And that's my biggest thing. My biggest takeaway at this point now is because he has been so vocal, whether it's, you know, the T-shirts or the tweets or, you know, the press conference comments. Um, We've seen a ton of players in this market and, you know, members of the Jets who, you know, chirp a little bit with what people on the outside say. And there's a scenario where it goes great. Becton comes back and he's one of he's a statue franchise tackle that they hoped he would be best case scenario. And then everybody can say, Hey, we were wrong. We'll shut up, go do your thing, King. Um, There's the other situation of this where he just continues to say, no, I'm going to prove him wrong. And then we get closer to the season and he's not ready yet. And then, okay, he's still not ready. And then maybe he, he gets out there and he looks a little rusty and then he has a slow start to the season. And then all of the noise is like, you know, we worried and we spoke about it for the entire off season and you told us not to worry. And now here we are and it's still a problem. And I don't know. There's just players in that scenario that, um, you know, we've seen it time and time again. I think a guy that gets a lot of hate now, Jamal Adams, um, and and was such a a fan favorite at a certain point. But when your talk doesn't, when you talk the talk but can't walk the walk, that's when the fan base can really start to turn on you. And um, you just hope for Becton's sake and, and for everybody's sake, for the Jets' sake, this upcoming season, for the fan base, that he does shut everybody up. But we're getting closer to the start of the season and we haven't seen outside of Salah saying the knee is good, which is great news because that's obviously a huge concern. Aside from that, we haven't seen anything else. That's like, I'm going to hold on to this and, and it's going to give me a lot of hope heading into the year. Yeah. I mean, that's true. There, the, there is a lack of hope, but I will just end this uh, Becton segment on a, uh... I was watching some videos that some some people took of him at OTAs, and I mean, he looks good. He looks okay for a big guy. He looks okay, but but I would love to see him like play a little, you know. Yeah. So we'll hope. And for the we've best. got time. There's there's yeah. still what it's it's June 22nd by the time this comes out. God, we're almost in July. So I mean, there's not a ton of time. No, um, not, I but... mean, dude, that's what I love about like this whole like how the NFL is adjusted to year round like it's a year round league, you know, because. This is when this June and July are when most fans are like the most worried and when it's the most boring. And I think in terms of news and things to talk about, like even our podcast has reflected that in terms of the housekeeping every week, like not much is happening, but it's like, at least these guys are in the building, they're playing and we're a month out, you know, like, it's not like we're far away from when things start getting really real. Um, So yeah, I mean, you don't want to wish away the summer, but you want to wish for football season. So, yep. And so while one tackle is hoping to be available and ready to play, the other um, is looking for a new contract. And uh, that is good old George Fant um, looking for an extension. I think I, when did this start circulating around it a little bit more? So I believe was it a did he tweet himself? I'm not or did sure. Someone else honestly. bring it up. I'm, I'm trying to. I, I should have had that uh, written down how it started off, but it came up. He's, you know, being looked at as a very important figure for this football team, not only just on the field, but in the locker room. The coaching staff has applauded his um, him being a vocal leader on the team and being really just a a very concrete person along the offensive line and in that offensive locker room. 
Um, he wants to, he wants to be paid as such. He wants a little bit of a bigger deal. Um, and you know, I'm sure the jets obviously want to give him that extension because they value him so much, but it's also a tackle that has been up and down throughout his career is up in his thirties. While it might be early thirties, still in his thirties. And you just take a look and you say, okay, well, hopefully they can find the right number. Um, it's not, you know, you've got players every year that are like, I'm holding out without a new deal. It doesn't seem like it's at this point. I think that's because the Jets know that they want to get a deal done. Um, but it just seems like the conversations are ongoing around an extension for um, what is, uh, who is slotted to be the starting left tackle this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a smart move on, on his end, you know, right now he's on the last year of his deal slotted to make $10 million almost. Um, and you are, you, you're exactly right. And like the way that the jets view him right now, he's just such an important piece to like this whole, um, team coming together, especially if they're going to want to go ahead and put him at left tackle. Um, I definitely 100% think a deal is going to get done. Um, Mm -hmm. what that looks like in terms of like years, I'm not sure, like probably a one or two year add on extension, Um, I mean, he's going into, he's going to play his age 30 season this season. Um, so I don't really worry about like age, you know, if we sign him to a two-year extension, he's, he's 32 at the end of that contract. I think, um, that's solid. And I also think the jets are in a position where, you know, we, we do have available money. Um, so if we, if, if Joe Douglas, you know, works his magic, even if you're paying him a decent amount next year, if you're able to cut bait after that, that's kind of when, um, all these rookies that were drafted are going to hit and we're going to start wanting to extend these guys. And, and, you know, you start thinking about hopefully we're, we're extending Zach Wilson at that time. So I definitely think where we're, where we're standing, you know, it's just, it's clear a deal is going to get done how much that's going to actually end up being, you know, we'll see, we'll see what Joe Douglas and his agent can work out. But, but I think clearly a deal is going to get done here. You know, it, it's funny when you look at the Jets, specifically in the trenches, offensive line and defensive line, um, you know, a lot of teams have like their star tackle, their star edge rusher, and then the rest of the guys are just kind of a mix. And with the Jets, it's almost like, well, their their best player along the offensive line could be two or three different guys. And we'll get into that conversation with the defensive line. But when you look at Fant, you go, OK, yes, the the outside of the um, off the field stuff almost is just as important if not more because um you know you're on a good offensive line now and he can look and and almost like a little leverage point in this can be like hey i'm your only tackle right now that is ready and available so back the brinks truck up to my front yard um and it's just interesting because like no he's not an elite left tackle he's not a trent williams he's not you know one of these great guys but when you take a look at the team and they're you know they paid lakin this uh this past off season but a ton of other guys aren't really making great money you've got two first rounders that that have their first round salaries but um you look at it you go no you're not this elite guy but you're probably the most valuable to us it'll be interesting to see how the money ranks between you know the league's top paid versus like i'm I'm interested to see what the money looks like compared to what tomlinson got Um, right so Really interesting to see how that'll play out. I agree with you. I don't see a way in which they don't get a deal done just based on how much they talk about his importance to the team. Um, but conversations are ongoing. Um, Teddy, only other thing, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, right before we recorded this podcast, signed with the Steelers. He was someone that met with the Jets uh, maybe a month back or a few weeks back, however long ago it was. Defensive line help. Um, he was a former, uh, most recently with the Browns. And then he goes to his division rival here. No, Bengals. Yeah, he's played Bengals. on all three. He's played on the Bengals, Browns, and now Steelers. So the Ravens will be next. Okay. Yes, cool. exactly. So, yeah. So going to the Steelers, uh, miss out on a defensive line guy. I would think, given the Jets' resources, if they could have probably matched something, I, I feel like if, if, they wanted to not to say that you know that um they didn't want him i'm not going to say that because they brought him in they obviously were interested in adding him but at the end of the day miss out on a guy on the defensive line um i guess at one of the thinner positions of the group at interior but um were you sitting over there heartbroken that that no no i mean i don't i don't i mean we'll get into it today which is which is cool but you know even with the kind of interior d line issues i don't really view the d line as somewhere where 
we really need to be adding anyone, um, especially Ogunjobi, who I feel like the the production you're going to get out of him paying whatever you're going to end up paying him is going to be pretty on par with anything you're going to get out of any of our kind of rotational or backup guys, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, the news of Ogunjobi kind of came out um, with the Quan Alexander news, I remember, at least like around the yeah. same time. Quan Alexander is definitely the one that I would prefer. I was just going to say know, And we've talked about how we feel about the linebacker room. Um, and today we'll talk about how we feel about the defensive line. But yes, I'm just not as worried, so I don't, I don't really care. But, you know, it is noteworthy to talk about, seeing as he did take a visit. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, that's all the news. Like I said, I will, we'll get into the defensive line. What was that right there? I just used my burp button. Oh, nice. Blake just saw me over emphatically burp. I thought you were doing like a yawn or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I just like, wanted I to make you laugh. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, Teddy reading the room time part four. Heck yeah. Before we get Look to the at defensive us, man. line. Crushing through part this. Part four. I can't Dad believe it went it so already. quick. Yeah. Other housekeeping note. Um, just for us, because I know we mentioned it last pod, we didn't get the chance to watch the the new Jets YouTube series over the kind of the entire offseason. Um, so we're going to talk about that next week. Yes, um, just, for sure. Just we should because... know the name of that, but I think it's called One Jets Drive. No, that, I think that's the production that's the company. Other one. I think that's yeah. what they call well, themselves. You know, we're we're bad Egg here. on your face. We've been, we've been busy, and, and we'll watch that for sure, and I'm sure it's going to be bold. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... That'll be exciting for sure. It Good will. to bring that up. Yeah, we'll we'll yes. talk about that next week, and and we'll finish up uh, reading the room. We'll talk about the O line as well. What I'll say though about it, it seems like they did a very nice job. And even in the trailer, when you see like Rappaport and Shefty and all the guys that are interviewing for it, narrated by Eisen, yeah, it seems like they did. Yeah. They knocked it out of the park. So I'm excited to to go into it and kind of take a look at how this entire offseason transpired. Yeah, I was actually uh, I was talking to my dad about it because I was just telling him I was excited to watch it. And he I was like, yeah, last year, because I know it's going to be the same thing. And it's like they show you the draft room, which is so exciting. And like they show you the pre-draft process. So it's like, oh, my God, like they rank Zach Wilson like so high, you know. And but it is funny, you know, like they're just going to show you the things that that make their draft board look correct, you know, which is fine. But but it does it gets the juices flowing pretty good for the season. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's live looks into, into what they're saying about them. You know, it's not like they're yeah. they're putting on a, a show or something, you know, so no. it's a hype tape. It's yeah. really that's that's what it is. Um, all right. So before we get to the defensive line, we are going to go through the tight end room first, uh, a little bit thinner of a group to speak yeah. of, um, whereas we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty with the defensive line. Um, Teddy, this tight end room is so fucking different from last year. And in one of the best ways possible, Thank God. They, they go from undersized and inconsistent and kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not one-sided, but uh, one dimensional, one dimensional. Thank you. Thank you, Theodore. That's why you're here. Um, the thinker to, to a beefy athletic do it all tight end room. Um, obviously the, the two big signings, CJ Uzoma, bring him in from Cincinnati, Tyler Conklin coming in over from Minnesota. Then they go in the third round, they get Jeremy Ruckert. Teddy will start at the top, the top there. CJ Uzoma, um, a guy that you've already seen in what has it been two months now of him doing press conferences, press conferences and talking about this team. You can already tell he's going to be one of the loudest voices in this locker room a guy that just recently went on a very important playoff run with the Cincinnati Bengals albeit a little banged up for it um one of the I think stronger signings of this past offseason when you just look at a guy that sure he hasn't been one of the top three or four tight ends in the league but um consistency athletic build kind of fits everything that they're looking for in New York yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, the first thing that that kind of screams out is definitely the leadership. And and when we first signed him, you know, that was kind of the first thing when you start looking into the player is, is wow, this is a guy who's vocal, you know, and and really a, a key leader on, on a team that made it to the Super Bowl last year, um, which I think is important experience, especially when you look at what the Jets were last year and, and the lack of experience they had as a team, you know, which, which was by design, but but that is how it was. Um, yeah. And I mean, 
like you said, you know, like didn't it doesn't have like crazy, crazy stats, but but at the end of the day, you know, I he's been pretty consistent. Um, I think four years in a row minus two years ago when he only played two games. So kind of three, three seasons over four years, he's, he's had a pretty good um, consistent stretch there. Um, And yeah, I mean, he can do it all, you know, he can run and he can block. He's a big body. He's fast. Um, So definitely, definitely really excited and definitely excited to kind of pair him with, you know, Tyler Conklin, who's another guy who I think kind of fits a lot of those same roles, you know, very, just do it all, like you said, solid. Um, and I think they're both just going to complement each other by being able to both be on the field at the same time or interchangeably, as opposed to where you're looking at one, one, a one, one B. Yeah. And when you talk about the, the jets and what they want to be on offense, it is through the run. It is two tight end sets, a ton of misdirection. So having the Conklin and Uzoma are going to be out on the field all the time together. And, um, you know, for being able to form that extra protection for the running back on the outside is going to be huge um, for this this offense to hum because it's going to hum through the running game and it's going to set up the passing game. And um, when you take a look at, I mean, we'll just use almost 6'6", 260, a beef of a man, probably would have easily been the biggest guy last year in the group. Um, and then also can do it um, you know, can also double as a good pass catcher. Now this past season, you know, you take a look at the numbers and, you know, compared to his, you know, the rest of his career, it's all career highs essentially. And you're also thinking at the same time that this is with three wide receivers that are getting so many more looks before him. So you take a look and you see, okay, sure. 49 receptions, just under 500 yards, 10 yards of catch and five touchdowns fine but he did that despite you know jamar chase t higgins and uh uh, uh tyler boyd Taj, tyler, no, boyd. tyler boyd tyler Not boyd, Taj Taj boyd, boyd former jets Taj quarterback boyd. yeah throwback um so when you take a look at that and and we are not asking you know the expectation isn't that he comes in here and he's getting a ty- uh, travis kelsey workload but you would assume with a younger receiving core and a younger quarterback who is probably looking down to his tight ends a little bit more than, than some other guys, um, especially when you're a, a young quarterback that struggled a little bit early in his career, you're going to look to your tight ends a little bit more and you're going to look to them a little bit more when they're actually better than what they had last year. For, so for Zach Wilson, one of the most helpful guys all offseason brought in is, is, is CJ Uzoma just because of um, the safety blanketness and, and what he's going to provide in the run game uh, in run blocking. So all in all, sure, he's not a world beater and he's not going to be a top three tight end this upcoming season, but just consistency and the ability to block and, and you know, make stuff happen in the passing game, a great signing and a, and a good guy to have at the top of your tight end room. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I literally think we've talked about it on every episode, but but I just like the 12 personnel thing just is so big to me, you know, like it's what yeah. the Jets want to run. You look at last year and you look at you have a rookie quarterback and and you have a rookie play caller and you struggle running the the main scheme that the that the staff wants to run, you know, and, and you think about what that could do to to how the offense performed and how they looked. And and, you know, another thing we talk about a lot is like young quarterbacks, you know, they're going to go to their slot receiver more often because they're closer to them. You know, it's an easier pass to make. And I think that's the same thing with these two tight ends. Um, So if you're going to be able to come out in 12 personnel and stack the box and then have four wide receivers go out on a route and maybe a fifth with your running back, you know, like that's the versatility that you're going to be able to bring there is, is insane, you know, um, and, and looking at this room, it, it did get me thinking just about, you know, how does it kind of compare to other like two tight end, like other hmm. tight end rooms, like two D, yeah. you know, in the, in the league. And so I w- went through, you know, and, and there's some, you know, guys like Mark Andrews with the Ravens, Travis Kelsey, like, obviously they kind of transcend that up. argument because they make yeah. up for whatever that number two guy lacks. But when you look at the two guys together, their backups aren't really anything, anything crazy. Um, a few teams that I went through every team, a few teams that kind of stuck out to me 
I mean, the 49ers have have Kittle and Tyler Croft, former Jet. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, but Tyler Croft, I kind of hate him now after last year. I don't know about hmm. anyone else. Um, Bills have Knox and OJ Howard. Um, Browns have David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. Chargers probably might be one of the best with Garrett Gar- or is it Garrett Everett? That's right, right? Gerald Everett. Gerald, Gerald Everett and Donald Parham. Then there's the Pats with uh with Johnu Henry and uh Johnny Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. Here we go. And then last one I wanted to mention is is the uh the Saints with Adam Troutman and Taysom Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Any reaction? I like there? what you did there. Thanks, yeah. Ted. For those not understanding Teddy's inside joke, he thought that um, Taysom Hill was the next Michael Vick. Taysom Hill so. is a goat, but yeah, maybe Just was wrong kidding. about the quarterback thing. But I mean, looking at that list, like the Bills with Dawson Knox and OJ Howard, the Chargers with Everett and Parham, and the Pats, like, are really the only guys I would think could be comparable. Um, so I just I, I think I think you, you can't understate what where this room is at, um, because I do think these are two guys who are going to be able to contribute like heavily. No, it's a really good point. And and you're, you know, going through that list, it's like, yeah, where are the great two tight end sets? And, and you think the last. Not maybe not the last, but the most notable is obviously Rob Gronkowski and um, and Aaron Hernandez. And, and those two were both transcendent talents and and who do you have in the league right now that is am i forgetting somebody it almost feels like there's either one i mean you think about two that are right i mean you think about the best tight ends in the league you know like you have you have travis kelsey you have uh mark andrews who i don't have their backups right right now but i know they're kind of not anything i think it's like blake bell blake Bell in, in kansas city but, but I think the, the point to that is almost it's a tight end gets paid so much now that it's almost nearly impossible to have great two tight end sets. Right. Yeah. And I mean, then you even look at like the Falcons with, uh, with pits, you know, but, but I think their backup is, uh, hmm. Anthony Ferkser, you know, who's not a slouch, but, but he's a backup, you know? So yeah. we have a guy in Tyler Conklin as our technically number two guy, um, who for the Vikings last year, you know, had, almost 600 yards, 61 receptions, you know, was targeted 87 times. Um, And I mean, that was his first kind of big year. That was his fourth year in the league. And I do, excuse me. I do just want to kind of note that like tight ends take a while to kind of get their feet wet. So, you know, four or five years is what the classic tight end does. So these are two guys, I mean, Uzama's a little bit older, but these are two guys who are kind of, working into their primes like Tyler Conklin especially is is entering his Mm. prime and Uzama's probably in the back half of it but still I mean these are two guys who are ready they know what they're doing they've established themselves in the league which is something that can't be overstated um you look at kind of where the Jets big holes has been since in this 10-year playoff drought 11-year playoff drought and it seems like it's always been edge rusher you know cornerbacks and tight ends and and I feel like we finally, these are two established guys where we're not hoping, oh, I hope that they can be good. We know they're going to be good. Right. It's it's funny when you look at the room as a whole and we can kind of bring Rucker into the conversation now is it's almost like they've got guys at every different phase of the tight end career. Yep. You know, you've got Uzoma and he's not been this, this world beater as I, as I mentioned, but he's in his, you know, later stages of his prime. He's been around for a bit, great season last year. And then you've got, I guess, Conklin is the the like what could this potentially be because you're right he is right around that time where this is where the breakout for a tight end happens and sure there are guys that hit the ground running in their rookie seasons or by year two but for most tight ends it does take a few years to adjust to the sizing to get bigger physically yourself um, get comfortable running through a, you know an NFL um, field which is you know got different dimensions uh, than the college game so he's the guy that it's like you could almost see him just really climb up there. And then Rucker, who's right at the beginning. And he, despite being a third round pick, is going to come in here with really no expectations to do much at all. Because not only is he more of a, a different type of tight end, he's going to be very receiving heavy. And, and you know, with the Jets and, and their, you know, desire to be running the football, that he's not going to be out on the field a ton, especially with two guys above him. But you take a look at him and you say, these are two great guys to really learn from, adjust to the pro level. If he's ready sooner than he, than 
you know, expected fantastic. You have a great three deep tight end room. Um, but at the very least, he's going to be some guy that can kind of come in in a pinch and, and provide um, a lot of upside in the passing game. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you look at um, Rucker, I think it just it kind of ties the whole room together. And, and you kind of did hit it with the with the hitting every step of the um, of kind of like the tight end life lifespan. And we kind of have a, a guy in every every stage of it. But but also, you know, we're playing with house money with him. Like if if he doesn't come onto the scene in year one or year two, he's got two established, experienced guys who he's going to learn from. You know, and that's how you build a culture. That's how you get rolling, you know, where where maybe we have Uzama and Conklin for the next four to five years. And then we have Rucker still hanging around, you know, or like like these are I don't know. It's just a, it's a room I'm excited for. And now in terms of the grade, I I, I want your opinion here because I do like I just I wanna, changed mine. I, I see that. I see that. I raise it up a bit. I want to give them an A. And the reason I want to give them an A is because is because I feel like they've done the best they could to um, to build the room, you know, like like sure they they didn't luck out or you know get that top tier Travis Kelsey type player, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts type player where it's like oh you have a guy who's elite and and is one of the best of the positions, but when you look at kind of the list of tight end free agents this year you know like switch out oj howard's name for either of conklin or uzama are you more confident you know in, in any of them not really i mean obviously dalton schultz was was the guy but he ended up resigning um and so so to me it just seems like it's so solid that i want to give it an a the only reason i would go down to a b plus is because when you look at a room like Kansas City's, you would say, oh, well, that's an A because they have Travis Kelsey. Or you look at a room like the Falcons, you'd say, oh, well, that's an A because they have um, Kyle Pitts. But, you know, maybe that's more of an A+. I'm going to go ahead and give them an A because because I do. I think this is just one of those rooms. It's only three deep. You know, it's not the hardest room to fill out, but but they did it, you know, and it's been a lacking, lacking thing for the Jets. So, So A is where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument, look, they built this tight end room the way that they they want a tight end room for this type of offense to be. So, yeah, hopefully you draft a guy that's Travis Kelsey or you draft a guy like George Kittle or Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller. But we mentioned those four names because there's really no other outside of Mark Andrews guys below that. TJ Hawkinson. Fuck, there's a little bit more now. There's, there's, there's more better tight ends. I'd yeah, say. there is there. Is. And those are all good guys, oh, man. you know, yeah, but you get into Hawkinson and there's a, there's a tier right out. Yeah. There. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, they're Uzama and Conklin are both in that kind of like 12 to 20 range, you know, maybe even a little bit higher and they're just going to be consistent and they're, they're able yeah. to do, they're able to be out there for every play. You know, you don't have to worry about, Oh, we got a running back guy or we got a running down guy. We got a passing down guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash the a, I'm going to go with a B plus for the room. Um, just because like you said, there's no like elite talent here. And we are kind of just projecting a little bit of, of what Conklin and, and, uh, Uzoma can be. I would feel a little bit more confident in Uzoma just, just because I think he's just a little bit more polished of a player where Conklin has Conklin dealt with injuries before I'm taking a look back here. Uh, no, he's been pretty reliable. Just didn't really start until this past year. So no real injury yeah. history with him. So that's good. Had Irv um, Smith to deal with. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I I'm, I'm going to go B plus it. I had it as a B originally, but as you kind of got talking into when you went through the list of the two tight end sets and you're like, okay, yeah, there's, who has a, a stronger one and two, not just one by itself, like Kelsey and, and all those greats, but like when you put the two next to each other, who really stands out? There's not a ton that stand out more than that. So it's definitely, um, as far as the room goes, we're reading the entire room here. Uh, one of the better tight end rooms, maybe in football, which is kind of kind of crazy considering how piss poor they were a year ago. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Well, hey, Remember when we thought it's, Dustin Keller was going to be the GOAT. My boy was Chris Herndon. I was a Ugh. big Chris Herndon boy. I know. He had that one year and then never did anything ever again except hurt me. Yeah, I had a friend um, 
at JMU. He grew up in Herndon, Virginia, and he would they, they were always called Herndon boys in, uh, in Herndon high school. Boys. So, so, so like Chris Herndon, he's a Herndon boy. Um, but all right, Teddy goes with the A. I go with the B plus. One of our higher grades that we've given out definitely. Um, but Teddy, let's flip over to the longer conversation of the day, the defensive line. Ah, uh, yes. And and the way the... to break this up, I kind of just went top four projected starters. I guess in a passing situation is the way I had this run out because it's going to be different, um, especially to start out the season, I would think so. Um, but when I look at uh, how I kind of ordered it out, I, I did the front four and then depth behind that. Do you want to go edge and interior defensive lineman? What, what sounds best to you? Do you like the way we've got it? No, I, I like the way you got it. I mean, the way Blake put this with the, with the, um passing down i guess is on the yeah. edge you got carl lawson and jermaine johnson and then with the interior you have john franklin myers and quinnon williams um i think maybe jermaine johnson is the one like question mark there but definitely in passing downs i think that's where you're going to see him right even right off the yeah. gate um definitely. switching it over to running downs i mean what do you think maybe maybe franklin myers plays a little more edge on running down oh, yeah bring in solomon thomas bring in a guy like Jacob Martin bringing maybe Sheldon Rankins, guys like that. To me, a running down scenario is Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams on the inside alongside um, Sheldon Rankins and then John Franklin Myers on, on the opposite. Edge. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, he I was think that's great stopping the run last year at, at, oh, on yeah. the outside. So, and I, th I think, think at least yeah. to start the season Rankins is probably um, the depth piece with the most, just like established Cons credibility. Consistency. Yeah. And I think especially after the year where he did pretty well last year, I think he'll get that nod. Um, but yeah, so I guess let maybe let's just stick with kind of those four to five guys. Yeah. Um burgers and fries. I mean, what sticks out to you? Where do you want to start, my man? I mean, we talked I talked about it a little bit earlier with the offensive line. It's it's so interesting because so many teams now are built on the star edge rusher and the rest of the guys that fill in the line or the starred left tackle and the rest of the guys fill in the line. There is no real guy there. And um, the expectation is is that Carl Lawson stepping into this upcoming season, hopefully for the you know, the first time in a Jets uniform, as he unfortunately was injured before the season started last year, that he is that guy and um to me I, I like carl lawson as a player he has extremely outperformed his you know projection coming out of college as a fourth round draft pick um production was always consistent it was always high everybody just looks at sack numbers and that's such a misleading way to look at things and you you would look at those and you'd say okay they're not great at all you know his most recent season five and a half the year before that five the year before that one is really his only high sack season was his rookie year in 2017 where he had eight and a half. But you take a look at quarterback hits, you take a look at pressures. He's a consistent guy. I think personally, and I, I could be wrong when it's all said and done, um, and I hope I am for the sake of the Jets, but I just don't look at him as like this premier pass rusher that is going to be talked about among, okay, who are the best edge rushers on a, on a good defense in the NFL? I think this – defensive line as we get into all of them is a very consistent and deep group which is what they wanted to build and with the rotations they're going to go through it's exactly what you want but I don't know he got paid he got hurt so we spent this entire past year just being like oh don't forget we've got Carl Lawson back but in my head I I say I think he's going to be a very good player but I don't know if he's going to be like the guy on the defensive line tell me why I'm wrong yeah I mean that's interesting thoughts? and and it's it's um, I guess that's kind of like the fear. And I mean, maybe not the fear, like if he's not a world beater, then, then it's not the end of the world. If some of these other guys can step up. Um, I do agree. I mean, he's not, he's not like in the bosses of the world or, or, you know, the, the kind of tier one edge rushers, but, but I do think he at least has the ability to be right there. Um, obviously the sack production was always lacking, but the one thing, you know, and, and obviously you, when you're a Jets fan, you're taking the optimistic viewpoint. Um, but and it's it's one of the reasons that that Salah, you know, wanted him so bad. And it's it was the win rate, you know, like yeah. the percentage of how many times are you beating your guy one on one? And, and he led the league in that two years ago. Um, I do definitely think, 
you know, as we've, as we've struggled with this defensive line and this lack of an edge presence over the last few years, um, when you're watching the game, you know, there's plenty of times you see one guy kind of make a break or like, like get around their guy and win. And, you know, maybe they can make a play on the quarterback, but then because of the lack of any, any other pressure, the quarterback's kind of just able to move away and get away from that. Um, so I think, you know, hoping everyone can stay healthy. What now we're able to do, you know, Quinn and Williams is a what number three overall pick. Um, and then you, you have a guy like Carl Lawson, who's hopefully kind of taking that step to be a premier player. And then you have John Franklin Myers, who's going to be playing his natural position inside. And then another first round pick in Jermaine Johnson. I just kind of see this as a room where, excuse me again, I see this as a room where they're all going to complement each other. And, and, you know, one guy, one guy getting a win maybe leads to another guy getting a sack. Mm. Um, and I think just, if this group can stay healthy and especially these top five or six guys, I think it's going to be one that's going to be able to wreak havoc. And it goes to your point of just like, even if there's not maybe one premier guy, there's a, a, a slew of guys who can all make plays and get to the quarterback. So now finally, as opposed to like, we're really, really thin and, and we don't have guys who can get off the edge. Now it seems like, you know, pass rushing off the edge is one of the stronger suits of a lot of our players on the D line. Um, so I just think their ability to, to, I think Lawson and Williams and Quinn and Williams are the two guys to really look at their ability to kind of play off at each, each other, hopefully can, can kind of launch them both into where we want to see them, you know, Quinn and mm -hmm. being a top five pick, you want to see him be one of the most dominant guys. And it's hard when you're not playing on, on a great defense or a great D line, but now right. no more excuses. And, and that kind of goes with Carl Lawson. Obviously, he was hurt last year, but same thing. And then I think Franklin Myers moving in to inside, especially for passing downs, is just going to – it's going to be huge, you know. And he has – he's earned all the recognition and credit that he's gotten over the past couple of years because he really has kind of kind of been that rock, you know, and, and stepped up yeah. and played out of position and things like that, you know. Um so, yeah, I'm excited for these guys. I, I think they can all complement each other well, and hopefully someone will have a big year. Right, and that's not me to say – like, I, I, I can say that I think that the Carl Lawson hype has become too much, but I, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean this won't be a really good defensive line um, just because – and I know we won't spend a ton of time going into them, but, you know, behind him, having a guy like Bryce Huff, Jacob Martin, uh, who's one of my favorite, favorite additions to this team – um, you got the fourth round pick, Michael Clemens. Like there are guys layers to this defensive line that it's it's going to be good. I just don't think I, I think the injury mixed in with the hype that's been building around the team this offseason has turned Carl Lawson into maybe not too overhyped, but hyped enough where I would more just say, like, it's gonna be a good defensive line throughout. I don't think there's gonna be a star player on it. I think you're, you're telling us to proceed with caution, you know? Yeah. I just, but, I, I would, yeah. If he's, if he's still finishing the season with five and a half sacks, I feel like people will be like, well, we were, we were building up into this huge thing with him. Um, yeah. But, I mean, if he gets five and a half sacks, I'll be amped personally after yeah. his like zero sack year, two after years zero ago. That he, he wasn't um, I just kind of want to go through these depth guys and, and kind of give like, just like two second thoughts, I guess, maybe not for all of them, but. But like Bryce Huff is a guy who um, it's kind of his year to either show it or not. You know, he's kind of been this like, oh, he's got potential. Oh, he's got potential. He's kind of flashed when he's been able to get out there. Um, again, this is a situation where we're no longer kind of hoping Bryce Huff can turn into like our starter and rely on him because he does mm -hmm. have a couple guys above him. But hopefully he can just show like earn his way on the field, you know, like hopefully he can play his way into a thing into a scenario where it's not really an option to take him out um solomon thomas i you know it's been two years now we've had sala as the coach you're going into his second year i'm i just have like this thing in my mind anyone who comes from the the 49ers i just think is going to be good i think Salah's is going to be able to work with them why else would he bring them in so so hopefully he can he can be a good addition um other guys, I guess Michael Clemens is the the fourth round uh, rookie pick. He's just a guy like I'm really intrigued scared. to see. Um, scared by him. 
I, I'm scared by him. He's scared in me. terms of his play or just him? Him. He's terrifying. <laughs> he's massive yeah, he's and he talks about man. just bashing people's heads in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he I he's been very divisive in, in kind of the analysis I've seen of him and and people who think he is kind of lacking, and then people who think he's kind of underrated. So yeah. so for me, you know, I don't always feel the need to stake my claim in these guys, but I'm just excited to see where where does this guy end up falling and and is he going to be a guy who's going to, um, you know, get reps and affect the game or, or is he just going to kind of be another bench player? Cause at the end of the day, some of these guys are going to have to get cut. You know, they got a lot of D linemen on their team right now. I think they might have like 21. Um, so yeah, maybe that to, math's not right. Maybe 17. To me, it's going to end up around 10. I think you're going to be able to have your front four. You're going to have a second four behind them. And then you're either going to keep two extra edge guys. You're going to do one edge and one guy that's kind of like a tweener. Solomon Thomas is a guy that's a tweener. You know, he was drafted. I think he was drafted as an edge, then moved inside, went to Vegas this past year and had kind of an okay season. Um, But now, like you said, he is going back to a, a defense he's a little bit more familiar with. So it's like, okay, maybe, maybe they saw the work he put in on the interior in Las Vegas. And they're like, okay, we can kind of work with this a little bit. So maybe his role is a little bit different than what it was in San Francisco. But like you said, a guy that's been with the coaching staff, a former, just like Quinn and Williams, third overall pick, a guy that, or was he number two? No, two I think was, he was three. Trubisky, three was Solomon Thomas. Yeah. So Solomon Thomas is a guy that you, you could be excited for as a really solid depth piece. Like you said, knows the defense. Jacob Martin, Sheldon Rankins had a, a solid season, like we said. Uh, Vinny Curry, a guy that's been around. I still have questions, though, if you don't mind us going back a little bit. I still have questions to, to discuss with the top three um, outside because I, I think we spent a lot of time on Carl Quinnen. Uh, big season coming up for him. And, they you know, they picked up the fifth-year option, but um, which is, is to no surprise. So he's going to be around past this season. Um, but I think one of the funniest things that we always have talked about about the Jets, um, whether it's on the podcast or off the podcast, is just his time spent on the field last year, which was right around half the plays. I believe the official number was 51.56% of snaps. He I think you nailed did it. Well, he did That's well another thing we've brought pass. up on most of our podcasts. Is, is the splits, exactly. So he's, he's done well against the pass. He struggled a little bit against the run this past year. In terms of like what – Cause like you said, it's not just the fact that Carl Lawson is coming back. It's like, this is the first time all these pieces get to work together with other good parts. And, and for um, Quinn and Williams, and we talked about how the, the defensive line didn't help the linebackers last year. It's like the defensive line didn't help each other at all. And so now you've got a guy next to him. So when you look at Quinn and what is that next step for him? Is it being on the field more often? Is it more production while he is out there? Like how would you kind of grade a, a growing season for Quinn and Williams? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Quinnen is is he has been like a decent player. You know, it's not like he's been bad. And I apologize for the dog in the background if yeah. if, if you guys are picking that up. I got River. Yeah. River's having fun. And then I got I got Hannah yelling to try to calm him down, which is nice of her. Hear, I can't hear Hannah. I can just okay. hear River. Okay. So that's good. Well, I'll try to fight through it. But nah, we're fine. I burped again. The thing with Quinn, we might, I might say we might have to cut out the beers. We, we burp a lot on this show. I know. I like, wasn't even going to have one too, but like I said, it's the only good time to relax. Exactly. Anyways, Quinnen. So yeah, I mean, he really hasn't been that bad, um, but it's just been like the, you know, lack of production, lack of sack numbers. It's kind of, he, he seems to be falling into that, like Leonard Williams trap, you know, which was, which was, you know, he's a good player. Maybe he's a guy who, who because of the scheme, we're not asking him to get a lot of sacks and, and get to the quarterback, and he's more of like a gap filler, whatever. But that's not why you draft a guy third overall, and no. that's not what you hope for one of these top five, top five guys. It's going crazy out there. Well, I wonder what he's barking at. I wonder what he's, I know. he's trying, to, trying to say hi to. I know. I'm not sure, but we'll fight through again. 
basically yeah, all I'm, there. I mean, I want to see him, you know, get 60 plus percent of the snaps. I want to see him have four to five plus sacks. You know, he doesn't have to be the guy who's consistently getting to to the quarterback in that interior rush. But but I do I want to see him out there a lot more than 52 percent of the time. And I want to you know, I want to start seeing those sacks. I want to see those impact plays. I want to see you know, two to three to four plays a game where it's like, oh, that's Quinn and leaving his mark. Yeah. Um, you look at what Aaron Donald's able to do as as a defensive lineman on his team. And obviously, Quinn and Williams isn't going to be Aaron Donald. But you just you, you look at what one player is able to do to affect a game um, when when they're just making plays. And I think that Quinn Williams has that potential to really be Mm -hmm. impacting games week in and week out. Um, So I think that's what you want to see. You just don't want to, you don't want to go on a three, four five game stretch where it's like, man, it seems like Quinn Williams is doing nothing. And I think that's really where the evaluation is going to come in of how does he impact a game as, as opposed to just like his play by play, play, (laughs) play by play, play. Right. But, but, you know, because he is he's going to be doing the right things and he's shown he's a good player, but we just need to see more of those impact plays. Yeah, this is the year where it's to me and there's a few other guys on the team that are like this. It's like you were invested in as a as a top pick and we cut you some slack because the team was so bad. Now that the team and your counterparts on the defensive line are, are at par with what an NFL team should be. Now we kind of want to see you take that next step. Yep. So to me, he's one of the guys, and, and maybe we can do a draft later on in this uh, in this um, podcast where we're like, guys who have the most pressure on them this year. Quentin Williams, not necessarily pressure, but there should be a lot of expectations around him this year. Yeah, I, I don't hate you calling it pressure at all because I, I do think that's what's there for him. I mean, when you're got to be. Like you said, you're that high of a pick. You're this expected is, this to be is a game changer. This is his fourth year, right? I mean, it's his contract yeah. year. And, you know, of course, it's like, I bet you we do see him have a big year and then we'll sign him. And if it's anything like the old Jets, then he'll fall back. But <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully you know, this, these are these things that we're hoping are going to break the right way instead of the wrong way for once. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, this year is is huge for him. Yeah. Um, opposite him, John Franklin Myers. I, I call him the chess piece that holds this line together. He is just a guy that has been good on the outside against the run, strong on the inside against the pass. He makes so, life so much easier for a defensive coordinator or for a defensive line coach because you know, like, not only can he does he have a high motor and he can be out there a lot, but he's going to consistently provide you value or slide in when needed. Say if a, an interior guy goes down or an edge rusher goes down, he is a guy that consistently is going to be there to, to fill some sort of void for the defensive line. And um, he got paid, you know, this past offseason. So shout out to him, deservingly so. And I think when you, you're going to take a look to me at the value of that contract a year or two from now and go, wow, this guy provided so much on our defensive line. And I think his, was it three years, 27 million? Or I'm trying to think what it was. It, it's somewhere in that nine to 10 million range. But I think the value that he's adding is going to be insane. I want to pull up what he did last year. And in even a guy like him, you know, it's, it's four so year, 55,000 or 55 million year contract. Okay. And then this upcoming season though. So they added on three after, so it's whatever is. Missing oh, okay. This okay. His upcoming season, he's making 1.5 with, but then he's making, you know, 11 next year, 13, the next year, 14, the next year. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a little bit more than I thought. I thought it was in nine to 10, but no, 11 through 14. Still, well, I think if, that if, his bonus, he got $10 million roster bonus. So gotcha. he's making almost okay. 13, 13 million this year. Well, it's, it's funny when you take a look at, at his snap count, it's still, it was only at 60%, which is just so funny when you think of how um, impactful he was along the defensive line, but I guess being able to to do both of those positions, I would almost expect it to be up a little bit more just because he's got other guys opposite on both those positions that can fill the void when he's kind of flipping in between. Um, so, you know, to me, his usage, I, you know, we talked about it to me. It's it's the run as an edge rusher um, on uh, running plays, moving inside and, and really having a, a quick, quick advantage against interior offensive linemen. He's a guy that, when you talk about the impact having better players around you is going to have, I think he's going to be the guy that 
steps up the most where you're like, holy fuck, this guy's doing all of this because now he's got, you know, hopefully a stronger play from Quinn and next to him on the inside, or he's got guys on the edge that are forcing the interior offensive lineman to put attention on Jermaine and Carl Lawson. And he's going to be able to break right through the middle. So in terms of like who is to me trending upward along this defensive line, I think he's the guy just because he's got the least name value of the four. He's a guy I look at that's like, he could sneaky be one of the, the, when you look at production and the numbers, one of the higher guys, just because his life is going to be so much easier next year than it had been uh, in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, best, best team lineman we had last year and he was, you know, playing out of position as most of his, uh, most of the, the season. So yeah. I'm excited to see him be able to have that flexibility to go inside more often, you know, just like you and, and play off of these other guys. Yeah. And then the, the last guy, and we've talked about him a bunch before because he was uh, uh, frequently talked about heading into the draft, uh, Jermaine Johnson, you know, the, the, the third first rounder for him out of Florida state, a guy that fell down the board, former uh, Georgia bulldog as well, too. Um, we we've talked about, you know, it's, it's funny that from the days of like, Oh, it's Kayvon Thibodeau. Like that's the guy we want. Now we end up with JJ down at, at 26 is where it ended up being um, roller coaster of how we got here. But the Jets liked, you know, what they could build off of him. I don't believe he's going to add much um, support early on in his career in the run game, but that's why you've got a guy like John Franklin Myers out there where you can kind of help Jermaine transition into the pros. Um, so just in terms of rookie expectations for him or what you think, what do you, what do you make of, of Jermaine Johnson? Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of expectations, the only real way – I'm going to be like tremendously disappointed as if he's just not even out there a lot, you know, if, if it ends yeah. up being, you know, Bryce Huff, who, I mean, if Bryce Huff looks outstanding, you know, it is what it is, sure. but if it ends yeah. up being a, an average Bryce Huff or you see Vinny Curry out there a lot, you know, you see kind of some of these other guys um, I think that'll be disappointing, but I definitely it's I really don't like I I don't need him to like be this dominant force this year you know obviously that's what you want to see you want to see flashes and you want to see um that he was worth that first round pick um but at the same time we've talked about all these other guys and how they're going to complement each other and I think that Jermaine Johnson even as a starter is put in this position where he's going to get he's going to get the benefit of the doubt or like, I guess what I'm trying to say is he's going to have other guys who are helping him to, to be good, you know, perhaps cover up mistakes, perhaps, you know, help him get a couple sacks that maybe he wouldn't have otherwise gotten. So, so, I mean, expectations, I want to see him out there. I want to see him playing well, you know, I want to see him making plays, but I, I don't need to see him be this dominating force in order for me to say, Hey, he had a pretty good year because I think he's just in a stage where, where again, we don't have to rely on him to just automatically become the best player on the team because we've, we've mm -hmm. built other guys around there who we can hopefully say, you know, okay, these guys can be the best player for a while. And then you'll get your turn in a, in a year or two. Seeing him out there tells you that the coaching staff trusts him. And I think right. that's the biggest thing when you look at a guy that, you know, like I said, not the best in his approach to the run game in the past game. It's more physical prowess than finesse. And, and that's going to change, you know, when you get to the pros and you're facing NFL left tackles, as opposed to, and don't get me wrong, the ACC is not garbage, but um, I would also say there's not a, there weren't a ton of great tackle prospects or offensive linemen coming out of there this past season. So when you take a look and you say, okay, yeah, he, he was really just bullying guys. It's not going to be as impactful, but if you see him out there, that's telling you that the coaching staff is working on building those things up and they're entrusting him the opportunity over some of those guys, like you said, a Bryce Huff or a Jacob Martin or a Vinnie Curry. So um, I I'm with you to me. It's not what the numbers look like at the end of the year. It's, it's the snap percentage and, and hopefully it's being impactful because like you said, he should be the fourth best starter on the defensive line. That's where it should be. Um, and if you want to say that he should be third next to John Franklin Myers, sure. Go right ahead because he was a first round pick, but I think that's more of a long-term projection um, than right off the bat. So, it, you know, he's an aggressive guy, violent hands, um, the bulldozing over tackles. I mean, he just, he overpowers them, but there's not a lot of finesse there. That needs to be worked on. He needs to be better in the run game and, and um, you know, attacking run designs. 
But to me, if he's out on the football field, Robert Sala and the coaching staff trust him. And um, it may not be pretty early on, but it will definitely continue to get better as the season goes along. Yeah, I mean, going through all these players, like the amount of trust I have in the coaching staff, you know, it might be too much. My world will come crumbling down if like we get halfway through the season and it's like, oh, Robert Sala stinks. Like we got it. Like my world will. But fall. I mean, isn't isn't that isn't that their fault? I mean, there have been there has been so much hype built around this team. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, for sure, but. They've I still just so think much of this up themselves. There is a difference. I still just think like there's a difference between obviously the results are what matters and the results are what, what gets you, you know, further opportunity and renown and, and credibility and, and all those things. But similar to the way that I think like Joe Douglas at the end of the day, his process is correct. I think that Robert Sala has those same things um, where the way he views football and the way he approaches coaching, I think a lot of that is just kind of the right way to do it. Now, granted, again, if we come out here and are horrible again this year, they're going to look at the coach and they're going to say, well, is this the right thing? Um, yeah. But I just, I don't really see it happening in a, in like a, a terrible world ending type of way where we're going to be one in 15 to end the season, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is just, it's funny to think about like, the benefit of the doubt that you give some of these players as opposed to when like Gase was the coach or any, any of these other guys where it's like, eh, well, they'll probably just stink again, you know? Right. That was just a well, quick Teddy, little thought I had. No, of course. No, it's right. Because it's, it's for a team that has been so hyped up and then let down and then hyped up and then let down. You're like, are we going to let ourselves buy into all this again? But you at least, I don't know. You just, you, you have to feel a little bit better about this coaching staff than the ones before it. Um, oh yeah. Grade Teddy for the defensive line. Yeah. I'm going solid B. I think this, I think it, this room just kind of screams B it screams solid solidity. Is that a word? It's just very like, I don't solid. know. Solid. That's what I think of. I just think of like, they're not really going to let you down. I think they do have a high ceiling. I think with those four top guys, I think they have the ability to become an A for sure. Um, but, but as of right now, you know, I just think they're a solid group. I think they're not going to kill the jets. Maybe they don't help them as much as we hope, but that'll be, we'll wait to, to see it, you know, but I think they're solid. I think they deserve a B. Yeah, I'm going to go B as well, too, but our reasoning is almost a little bit different. I go a B because I think it is going to be one of the deepest defensive lines in football. Like I said, I, I don't necessarily buy into the fact that there's an elite pass rusher on this team or someone that's going to be like a talked about as one of the best in the league. But from one through ten, I mean, you got guys that can do just about everything on this defensive line and and um like I said, you, you know, we've talked about the bench guys like Solomon and Jacob and Curry and Bryce Huff they don't need to have an elite guy there. If they can consistently just get pressure, like, yes, TJ Watt, having him out there every play is fantastic because he's always going to put pressure on the quarterback. But when you can sprinkle that money around a bunch of different guys and you can legitimately go 10 deep, that's what wears out an offensive line. It's not having the one guy on the left side. That's a nightmare, definitely. But when it's every play and you're bringing in your twos and they're getting pressure, and, you know, Jacob Martin finishes with an eight sack season as like their third pass rusher. To me, that's, that's where I, I look at this defensive line. I just go like, if you are always putting pressure on the quarterback, no matter who's out there, that's a win for me. Um, so I'm going to go B because I think it is one of the deepest defensive lines in all of football. Heck yeah. One great away, Blake. Look at that. One away. We got the offensive line next week. Um, and then I guess, I don't know, do we do a final grade for the team? That might not, that could be like the other part. We don't necessarily have to talk about the entire team as a whole. Yeah. But just be like, this is our report card, final grade for the Jets. I don't like want to do that because, uh, is like, that something that can come at, back and make us look bad? Well, I mean, no, that just is what it is, I guess. But, but like, when, when you look at the team as a whole and like where the grades are, I think my grade that I'd be, I'd feel forced to give the team is lower than I want to admit. <laughs> Because I want to just say they're an A. Right. So yeah. we'll, we'll play around with that idea. That's fair. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but yes, we'll be back next week talking offensive line and uh, this this Jets series as well, too. Hopefully, um, 
some fun news comes along where we we find out that Mekhi Becton is going to be playing football and and George Fant has a contract extension. Everything is happy in the world of the New York Jets. But until yep. then, thank you guys so much for listening again to Chasing 69, a New York Jets podcast at NYJ underscore Chasing 69 on Twitter. Same with the YouTube channel, Teddy at Teddy Huncho, myself at Blake Andrew Pace. Teddy, it's been fun as always. Anything you want to leave the people with before we head on out? You ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. Thank ready you guys to roll. so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.